Welcome to the Pastors in Transition podcast, a podcast designed to assist pastors, families, and churches as they navigate the challenges of ministry and career transitions. Our goal is to provide hope, help, and healing as you discover and define what's next for your career and family. And now, here's your host, Ben DeStefano. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the podcast. Today, I have a conversation with Tim Stevens. Tim is the executive pastor for campuses at Willow Creek Community Church. Prior to that, he served with the Vanderbloom and Search Group that has served to help pastors and churches through the job search process. And he also served for 20 years at Granger Church in Indiana as an executive pastor. Tim brings so much to the table that we are dividing this interview into two parts. Today, Tim discusses the value of wise counsel in our personal circles, the push and pull we experience as we consider transitions, and he touches on the very real mental health issues that many pastors are facing. So, here's part one of my conversation with Tim Stevens. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. So happy that you're a, a part of this podcast. Uh, what's what's going on in Chicago these days? How are you guys doing up there in Chicagoland? Chicago is, it's uh, so I grew up in the Midwest. Back here now, is gone, I was down in Texas for six years. So I've been back up here now for two years. So, you know, as we're recording this, it's, it's the mean part of spring when it teases you like Monday was 78 degrees and tonight's supposed to snow. So it's just, it's just ridiculous, but we're making it work. Exactly. I'm, uh, I'm in Northwest Pennsylvania and it's the exact same way. I'm, I'm just, you know, on the other side of the great lakes from you and we get the same thing. It's this, this, uh, mean tease. I like how you said that of weather it's maddening at times. So Florida looks really good right now. I don't know. People get all excited right now about, Oh, spring is here. And I'm like, don't be confused. It's really not yet. Exactly. We, (laughs) we call it fake spring. So Uh we'll see see what happens. Uh, Tim, you've spent, uh, your career in ministry. You've been at Granger church. You've been at, at Vanderbloom and now you're at Willow Creek. Um, and you've served in executive roles where I'm sure you you manage staff and work with a lot of different people, and especially your time at Vanderbloom and helping helping pastors and families navigate transition. And as the pastors in transition ministry, that's what we're about, and we're really looking to help uh, families navigate the difficulties that go into that. And so I'm wondering from from your experience. Um, what have you seen as some of the biggest challenges that that families and pastors deal with as they work through uh, tr- just basic transition? I think one thing that's unique with uh, pastors who transition versus someone who changes jobs. My, my dad worked for Xerox for 40 plus years and we moved a few times. So he you know transitioned a few times from, from one place to another. I think with the church, it's so unique because it's not just a job. Like our whole identity, a lot of times, um, our family dynamics, our kids are in the youth ministry, our, we're in small groups, we're intertwined as families with the life of the church. So if God calls us to another place, or if um, we didn't want to leave, but we have to leave and go to another place, it's just really, it's, it's, a, it's a thing for the entire family. And that uprooting can be so um, challenging. 
for pastors. So it's really unique and, and more so now in 2022, probably than ever before. Right, right. Well, and you bring that up in 2022, coming through the, you know, the last two years of COVID, you know, our current work culture in the United States um, has been described as the era of the great resignation. Uh, what do you see happening currently in culture and churches or with pastors that's, that's, that's leading to the, the, that's leading pastors to resign. And, and what do you think are some of the drivers to this? Maybe, especially if you reflect back on your days with Vanderblumen. Yeah, I think something I hear more about now than ever before is just mental health issues um, broadly, but, but definitely the church and church leadership hasn't escaped that. And I think in the church specifically, which is the area I know the best is um, you don't know, like everything you knew before COVID, if I do this, I'll get this. If, mm -hmm. if we do this, well, like all the rules have changed. Um, we, we just don't know anymore. Um, I just this week working on, um, you know, how, how many staff should we have per person in our church? What well, used to be one to a hundred, like it was just a rule somewhere, a little more, somewhere, a little less, sure. but now when 40% of your people aren't showing up, they're watching online, but they still consider you part of their, your church. And, um, and we're responsible, we think, for pastoring them. We're still trying to figure that out. It's just there's so many things that have changed, and it's just hard for pastors, especially that have been in the game for a while. You know, there's a sense of, you know, it's it's kingdom wins, but there's a sense of like I know what I'm doing, and I know what will yield the results to be effective or be successful or to win, and it's tough anymore. And then you add on to that like just the polarization. Of, of culture, which, which is totally embedded in our churches yeah. with um, everything from race uh, to politics, to wars, to masks, to vaccinations, to everything where people are coming down really hard, um, hardline positions where you just, you, pastors feel like they can't win. Like they can't, they're not even trying to take a side. They're just trying to teach the Bible or they're just trying to make a decision about whether we're going to have church this weekend or not, or whether we need to you know, go full, whatever it is and can't win. And so I think I, I hear a lot of just, uh, I don't know if depression is the right word, but just a sense of despair yeah. from pastors. I heard you say a couple of things in that, in that answer. The, the first thing I wanted to circle back to is the mental health issues and the mental awareness issues. Um, and I think you touched on it a little bit, but if you could, if you could go back and maybe think about what was it pre COVID that was, maybe in your mind, attributing to some of that uh, COVID just kind of then put the, the, the magnifying glass on it. And now they're trying to, we're, we're trying to operate post COVID and it, and it's, and it's not, it's not small church, just small churches. It's, it's large, it's, it's pastors and leaders of, of all backgrounds and, and church sizes. In fact, I was just listening to a podcast this morning, the Carrie Newhoff leadership podcast with Levi Lusco. It's the latest one. I'll link to it in the show notes. Levi Lesko shares very openly about his his uh, anxiety attacks that he had over the last year. What do you? How do you see that the health, the mental health playing out in the pastors' arena, and and what what can what should pastors be doing with that? Yeah, I you know it's hard to know. Was it it was it just as bad or prevalent two five ten years ago, and we're just now aware of and talking about it. Um, and I think there's part of that that's true. I also think 
you know, the trauma, we've been bringing some trauma counselors in to just work with our staff and our pastors and just talk through, uh, our church has been through its own kind of crisis, but really the trauma that's kind of prevalent now is the trauma all of us have experienced just because of COVID. And, you know, they're, they're talking to us as it's actually trauma. It's not, um, you know, sometimes that we think that word gets overused, but they're like, no, this is an, this is a real thing that all of us in society are going through. Um, so thank God more, more of us are talking about it and it's not as much of a stigmatism as it has been in the past. Right. Um, one of my, one of my pastors last week, he spent a week, um, in an intensive therapy session for a whole week out in Colorado. And we just gave him the space and the time and blessed him and, um, honored him for doing that because he's taking care of his, you know, his mental health, his soul, his family health. And that's so crucial in Mm -hmm. this. And especially because we don't really know, like as church leaders, we don't really know what we're doing right now. We're trying to figure it out. And that's, that's, a that's, if you feel that way, um, you are not alone. I've talked to um, pastors like Craig Rochelle, uh, Willow, small church pastors. We're all like, we don't know what we're doing right now. We're trying to figure it out. And, and so there's an angst in that and anxiety in that, a stress in that we're supposed to have the answers. People are looking to us for the answers that just elevates all of that. So if you're a pastor and you're um, not in therapy or talking to a counselor, even if it's like, not, not specific to, I just went through something major. I need help, but like, I just need ongoing, um, mental health. Um, someone speaking into my mental health. That's a really important thing to do. Yeah. Tim, I think you just said something there that's, um, important for a lot of pastors to hear because I feel like, uh, from our perspective, we can look at these mega churches and these pastors that maybe we would call quote unquote celebrity pastors or just well-known, just well-known guys uh, 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 that are out there and we can get this and we'll, we'll touch on this in a moment as well, but, but we can get these ideas or thoughts like, Oh, they've got it all together. I'm sure they're fine, you know, and, and we can downplay it. But what I heard you just say, is really important because it, it levels the playing field for all of us. We're all going through this. In fact, yeah. you threw out a, a stat a moment ago, 40% of our people are gone. And whether that's a, a hard stat from Barna or it's an internal stat at our own church, or it's an anecdotal stat that we see from, from uh, talking to people or reading things across social media, it's a reality. I mean, so there's a little bit, well, well yeah, don't take this the wrong way, right? Well, if Willow's down 40 I'm okay. <laughs> like, like, like yeah. we're on the same boat. Right. So there's a little bit of that going on. How important is it to kind of level the playing field for pastors to understand you're not alone in this? We're all going through it. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important. I mean, there's, um, you know, comfort and misery. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but right, there's a right. sense of like, you know, when you, when you're a small, I remember going as a small church, going to like big church conferences and if they like messed up, like the, the sound cue, or the lights and like, yes, like, you know, exactly. it happens there too. Yeah. It happens in my church. So there's a sense of that. And I, right. and I remember hearing Craig Rochelle say a few months ago, they're back at that time, they were back to about 60% of their pre-COVID attendance. And he, he was just saying, that's it. Like they're not coming back. Like right. we're building from here. We're reaching a lot of new people, but, we're, but those 40% are gone. And so, and I've heard numbers for I, my networks with larger churches, anywhere from, 60% that aren't coming back. Um, 
And I think the best I've heard in large churches is maybe they're, they're back to about 90%, so about 10% that haven't mm-hmm. come back. So uh, it's just all over the board, and it's something that all of us are dealing with, small, medium, large churches combined. Right. And, and, and again, it is going to be all over the board. A lot of it's going to be geography, wherever your church is located. A lot of it's going to be um, uh, how your church functions in your, in your city or in your town. Um, a lot of that it's, it's, but, but we're living in that, we're living in that 40, 50% are gone. They're just gone. We're doing it the same. We're, we're, we're having the same conversations at our church in Northwestern Pennsylvania. And, uh, it's, it's the same conversation to the point where we've said, look, this is who we are now. We've got to, we've got to stop asking, are they coming back? And we've got to shift the narrative to, we've got to keep, we've got to get moving forward because we, the, the longer we linger, the more we're going to miss. So let's, let's honor the people that are in front of us and let's minister to them and then see who we pick up along the way as we keep moving forward. So you're right. We're, we're all kind of in the same boat moving forward, I guess, taking it, uh, bringing it back to the, the, the idea of pastors in transition. What would you say, how would you counsel somebody? Maybe I'm going to ask this as a leading question. Would you counsel somebody to make a big move right now in a certain of their, in a, in a time of their own uncertainty, or would you just kind of say, let the, let the, let the water settle a bit and see where you're at? That's a hard question. Um, I like just generally, I feel like, and, and I've talked to pastors, you know, don't make a move when you're like in the valley of despair. Right. Um, you know, when, when just things are falling apart and it's not working, it's not the best time. You don't, don't usually have the best perspective. Um, it's just a tough time for the organization, for the church and for the pastor to make a transition. That being said, that's not a hard and fast rule. There's reasons why people should move at any point. Right. Um, but that's, that's just a, you know, in general. Um, but as far as like avoiding a change, um, I, I made a COVID change that I wasn't anticipating. I moved, um, or I accepted this role at Willow about four weeks into COVID in April, 2020. Hmm. Um, and you know, most of our, many of our staff that have joined us since then have done the same thing. And, and so it's, um, there's a sense of that. And a lot of that's happening and we can't, um, uh, we can't avoid that. So I would just, like, uh, if you're thinking about a change, and this would be true of any season, COVID included, um, post-COVID, uh, is just lo- get lots and lots of counsel, yeah. um, people that can speak into you that aren't um, writing your paycheck. It's great to get their perspective, because, but they can't be objective. Um, not people that work for you, they can't be objective, even though you might gather their opinions too, but just some people that, are, that can be objective in your life that can speak into you can ask you some tough questions and can help you discern, is this the right time or not? Yeah, excellent. That's, that's great advice that, you know, and I think maybe for pastors too, that's the challenge because we've said it on a couple of different podcasts prior to this one. And, and uh, I think what, what we realize is when, when pastors change roles, and I think you alluded to it even a moment ago at the beginning, we lose our network, we lose our, our, our people. And, and that's why it's important to have a network of people who are outside the four walls that we, that we serve in so that we have somebody to talk to and bounce ideas off of. It's, it's hard. It's hard out there when you are a pastor and you sometimes feel isolated, right? Yeah, it sure is. And that's, it's important, like wherever you're at to have some grounded people outside of your bubble 
mm-hmm. um, that that you can reach out to. Uh, I've heard people call it like a uh, uh, personal board of directors, uh, which is a, right. a right. good title for that. But just people that really they know you well enough to ask you hard questions. Um, uh, they don't just they don't they don't buy your spin. You know they can <laughs> they can lean into. They call uh, it when really, they see it, right? They, they call, call it when they see it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so, and that's just really helpful. I've got those people in my life that have, like, yeah. over thirty-five years that have been really helpful yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, let's think about it this way: uh, some pastors are uh, ha- have already decided to move. Some are, are in the middle of transition, or, or as we know, uh, some some pastors and families uh, didn't make the choice, but were forced out. Uh, what counsel do you give to pastors who who are in that place? They've they've already they've already given notice to their leadership board, or uh, the writing is already on the wall. What are some some keys to exiting well as a pastor during those seasons of change? Yeah. So one thing I would say that I've that I've just talked to lots of people when they're in that place of transition about is that you'll be more remembered by how you leave than by how you served. So you could, you could have been there 10 years. You're going to be more remembered by the three, your last three weeks than you are by your first nine years and nine months um, about how you leave. And especially if you leave poorly. And by that, I mean, um, every time someone transitions, there's, there's a, a push and a pull. So there's some, there's something probably pulling them to what's next. Um, and there's something probably pushing them from where they're at. And sometimes it's, it's 10% 90, sometimes it's 90%, 10%. It might be like, I just have to get out of here. You know, the elders are driving me crazy or they've changed the theology and I have to leave or we had a new leader come in and I just don't agree with their philosophy and that there's a push. And sometimes that's 90%. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of figure out what's God pulling you to. Other times it's like, you know, just something, and this would be true when I left Vanderblom and I wasn't looking to leave. I was planning to stay there for the next 10 years, but there was this huge pull um, towards the work at Willow Creek. And there was a 10% of push of like, that's just part of like, ah, this isn't very fun or this relationship's yeah. hard. So there's a bit of that, but identifying like personally, like, for, so you know, kind of what that is, but whatever it is, there's 10%, probably at least maybe 90%. That's the push. It's what you don't like about where you're leaving. And those things I would say, you just have to zip your lips. Yeah. Um, when I left Granger, uh, I was there for 20 years um, as an executive pastor. And um, as soon as I had been talking to my senior pastor for a year about a uh, potential transition, but as soon as I kind of like made it known, I became a magnet for all of the unhappy people on staff or in the church that thought that their reason for being unhappy was my reason for leaving. And so I easily could have become a dumping ground um, and fanned the flame of the trash for what the, what they were, um, what what their issues were. Yeah. But I just had to make a decision. Like I've been here 20 years. If there's things I didn't like that I couldn't change, I'm not going to change them in my last three weeks as I'm transitioning. <laughs> right. Um, it's like, I'm not. So, so for me, it's like, uh, like honored. I take the high road, honor the people um, that are, that are pouring their lives into it. Um, honor the fact that there's a lot of really good things happening at this place that I'm leaving. There's things I'm just not, I'm rubbing against or whatever, but there's a lot of things that are really good and just focus on those, raise those, uh, talk about those, honor the, the leadership that you're leaving behind, honor the church, 
uh, tell stories of how God's worked in your life through the church. Uh, you'll never be the same because of your time there. Like focus on that and that will help make a smooth move for you and for the organization. One disclaimer, I would say, and this, this is pretty, pretty rare, but if you're leaving because, you know, of, of just immorality or ethics or, you know, things that are happening in the organization that really you're kind of taking a stand, you're, by leaving, you're taking a stand against, Right. that would I, would, I would see that as an exception. But I would say too far often people think that's the exception because of whatever. And it's really not, it's not yeah. the case. Um, so focus on the good, yeah. celebrate, honor, take the high road. But even in those moments where you would call the exception, it's still, even if you're making a statement or a stand, high honor, high dignity, you know, you're still, there's still a check of, I have to do this with integrity. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Right. I mean, right. I mean, it's just because, just because maybe you're valid or you have an opportunity to, to shine a light on what happened doesn't mean you have to, and it doesn't mean you need to be careless in doing it. Correct. I totally believe that. Um, even in that there's honoring and dishonoring ways, uh, to leave. And, um, and that's such an exception. It's probably not even worth talking about here because right, you know, 99.9% right. .9 of folks don't fall in that category. Um, that, that there was a book written years ago called, um, holy discontent. And it was about just the fact of like, like, why do new churches start? It's because a youth pastor or a group's pastor or someone like gets this holy discontent and they, um, they're like, they're whatever vision or dream God's given them. It's not happening here. I think, you know, God's just putting something in me and I'm going to go do it. And I think like as church leaders, like we should just bless that. Like when we see that happening, like bless it, if we can support it financially or, or it, with encouragement, at least, um, like support it. Um, but when that's happening, like within you as the individual who has the Holy discontent, you know, we can, we can often make that our platform. Um, and so we have to paint these things wrong in order to talk about what's right. Um, right. And that's the dangerous road, I think. Um, right. We can totally cast a vision for where we're going to go and what we want to do and what we think is right without having to cast darkness on what we're walking away from. What a great conversation with Tim Stevens. Be sure to join us next time as we unpack part two of this conversation, where we discuss leading from the second chair and what it takes to transition to and work at a megachurch. Now, be sure to hit your subscribe button or the follow button and the alert bell so you don't miss an episode of our podcast. I hope that our time today begins to bring hope, help, and healing to you and your family as you discover what's next.